Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, welcome back to uh, our third our third episode, our third episode of Burning Questions for the new season. Game week three is over, we are having a look ahead to game week four. Apologies for being a little bit late, it is my first time hosting the stream and I'm also on <laughs> holiday, so lots of moving parts getting this stream um, up and ready for um, this evening but we are here today we've got a lot to talk about particularly a certain group of midfielders I think will be taking sort of front of stage during today's stream but we'll talk about that in just a moment Andy how are we doing good my friend it feels like it's been a minute I feel like uh two weeks now uh good to be back good to be talking to you I have a lot of dilemmas very surprisingly we both have the same ranks but we got there in different you know ways and methods I was very worried that we weren't going to be able to stream today just because we're both remote i'm actually in new york guys and harry obviously is uh, on vacation as well usually i'm the one doing the evening time slot and you're doing the lunch time slot but i think yeah. it's switched around so it's a very interesting experience to be potting at 12 p.m u.s time right now so excited to get going yeah How the you joys the joys i have to bring all my my kit with me for uh uh sort of videos and stuff anyway so actually it wasn't too much of a hardship but yes those people asking in the chat the uh fact that our ranks are exactly the same is not um a mistake we actually have <laughs> exactly the same ranks because we've made the same number of transfers we have the same number of points as well of course throughout the season people get even if they have the same points number of transfers comes into it goal scored things like that but we actually have all of those the same despite our teams not actually being exactly the same throughout the season. Yeah. It's not that we've had the same team um, throughout the season, but yeah, that is that is where we are. But we have a lot to cover, so should we dive, should we dive straight in? Yeah, I just want to mention a little bit on the rank stuff. It's, uh, it's crazy how like a sequence of events works in FPL, right? Because you had Saliba, I didn't have Saliba. Uh, and then we somehow end up in a very similar or the same exact rank. So different different ways to get there. Again, you know, I think the Saliba case is a good example of you should be patient. The season is very long. You know, you're going to lose points here and there, but there's always ways to make it up. I did play Udogi this weekend, which was fantastic, but maybe I wouldn't have played him if I had Saliba in my team. So it's very interesting how sequences work. Yeah, exactly. Gabriel over game weeks one, two with a Udogi auto sub in game week three actually exactly matched Saliba over the first three weeks, which is why we then end up with uh, yeah exactly the same and, points. And one more thing, Harry, is that after game week one, or I think at game week two when Saliba had that haul, eight point haul, 
I was very, very close to tweeting something very salty, like, oh, I, you know, I hate all Saliba owners, blah, blah, blah. But I resisted and instead uh, wrote, you know, there's all, be patient, there's ways to make it up. And looking back on it, it was the right decision. So patience is key, guys. Patience is, patience is key when it comes to FPL. Cool. So as we want to do all throughout the season, we're going to start off by having a quick look at how the fixture ticker looks for the next. We've got the next five um, game weeks up on screen now. So at the top of it, we have Chelsea. Um, I think probably the one that a lot of us are focus, focusing on. Third interesting on the list is now Newcastle. Newcastle, a team that we avoided early on in the season, start to come a little bit higher up. And now down at the bottom, actually last on the fixture ticket is Brighton. And actually quite low down on the fixture ticket as well are Arsenal, who are fifth bottom as well. So Chelsea and Brighton are top and bottom of the fixture ticker. Probably two teams that we've spoken about quite a lot so far this season. What are your thoughts on on this ticker so far? Yeah, I think nothing drastically different from uh, what we initially had in game week one. I think a lot of us knew uh, there was going to be little swings, but nothing drastic until I would say after game week eight, international break. And when we get to game week nine, there's some interesting teams that come up, including West Ham, Aston Villa, um, so and Liverpool as well. So yeah. I wouldn't read too much into the immediate next five fixtures. There's the debate about how you know, do you go for Madison or Sterling, which we'll get to. And a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, Sterling has better fixtures in the next five, whereas Madison, I do believe, has Arsenal-Liverpool sandwich mm -hmm. in between the next five. So I don't read too much into that, for example. I still think that Tottenham have solid fixtures for the next five or six game weeks until game week nine. So nothing too drastic. I yeah. think our teams are well set up. I'm very surprised to see people wildcarding. I don't think it's a good move because by the time game week nine rolls around again you're going to you're going to be behind the template once again so uh, i wouldn't be so uh rushing to to do wild card right now i don't think there's enough fixture swings to be able to do that yeah so i was doing a bit of transfer planning with with my team looking ahead and i don't really see actually that many transfers i'm going to do over the next three or four exactly. weeks and so it got to the point where i was considering well actually i might end up selling pickford a goalkeeper transfer is not something i love but i might get to the point where it's actually a fine because i've got not loads to do to do with my team yeah. but I suppose people thinking maybe they've missed the boat on Chelsea because of course the Luton fixture was the real one people wanted to target right but they still yep. they do still fit top of the fixture ticker we have a couple of other fixture ticker um, graphics the first one goes up until I believe game week 19 and it starts to highlight um, fixture sort of swings in and out of teams I know you wanted to talk a little bit about wildcard is this the graphic you want first or yeah, sure. Which one do we have? Do we have the green one up? The green one. Okay, cool. So, by the way, guys, this is from FPL Lego Mane on Twitter. Lego Mane. If you're not following Lego Mane, he is a must-follow. Um, I know that Pross and I used Lego Mane's graphics a lot last year. It's very visually appealing as well as simple to read and sort of easy to understand once you deep dive into it. So, what I mean by that game week nine swing is that let's take a look at this green, you know, sort of chart. And you can see Liverpool from game week nine has Everton. So why I think this is important, I was talking to FPL Hibbo about this as well, is that Salah, if he doesn't leave for Saudi, becomes a very viable option in game week nine. Some might disagree. Some might say that, you know, Salah is not worth it for his price. But, you know, it's hard to ignore Liverpool's fixtures. Everton, Nottingham Forest, Luton, Brentford, and then all the way to game week 19, right? Because if we do wildcard in game week nine, 
it's likely we won't have another wild card to the second half of the season. Maybe that's around game week 23, 24, even later. It could be a very little three wild card, 34 bench boost type of situation. So you do, not only does Liverpool have immediate great fixtures from 9 to 12, they also have very solid long-term fixtures. So I think TAA comes into the fold as well. Who knows, right? And then you got Aston Villa. We're hyping up Diaby. We're hyping up uh, Watkins. You know, mm-hmm. there's a you know even Douglas Luiz is a solid option. He's I think very high in the XG chart uh, this season so far. So Aston Villa becomes an option in game week nine. Same th- sa- game week eight. Same thing as Liverpool, where they have very good immediate fixtures, but also tick along solid fixtures all the way through game week nineteen. Yeah. West Ham also. We know how good they they've been so far defensively. Unit. Uh, I think we're going to want one of their defender, defenders, possibly. Bowen is in a lot of people's minds as well. Yep. So Game Week 9 is a very popular time for a wildcard because it bounces off a uh, international break as well. Yeah. So with that being said, why that's important is that now, like, if that is a plan that, that most of us are going to be wildcarding in Game Week 9, I also think you can get away with wildcarding in Game Week 12 or 19 because Arsenal, United... Uh, continue to tick along Man City, not so much, but they yeah. have um, sort of, what's it called, fixture-proof type of, you know, level. But we also have to keep in mind Champions League does come into fold, which is why Chelsea and, and Spurs are very appealing itself because they don't have European fixtures. Uh, but if you look at the short spurt from game week four through game week eight, there's nothing too drastic in terms yeah. of making a lot of switches. United is fine. Arsenal even is fine. Maybe it's more eye test and, and game state and sort of uh, looking into the tactics more in that sense. But I do still think that Chelsea and uh, Spurs are very good teams to target between four to eight before a wild card in game week nine, which is why I wanted to show this this chart. Any anything any thoughts, Harry? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And to be honest, I think game week nine is when there's the most fixture swings. But I don't like look at this and think it's the you know perfect we have a perfect opportunity to wildcard i don't think it's one of the sometimes we get seasons where the fixture swing in a certain week about game week eight or nine is so massive that everyone wildcards that week because you kind of need to with because you need to make five changes to your team at once but i'm not even sure i look at it and i think it's probably the best time to do it there's probably the most changes in and around then but i don't necessarily think it's so essential to do it. I think there's probably enough like other times that, you know, you could do it depending on your team. If your team, you know, if you wanted to put out probably the optimal, you know, way of doing it, it probably has the most swings, but I don't think it's enough to think that that is the way you have to play this season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look at United's fixtures all the way to 19, totally fine. Arsenal as well. Very good spurt from game weeks 12 to 15. You know, Lego Mane's chart is such a good indication of, um, you know, trying to find the little niches of fixtures where you can really try to attack a three, four game expert, which is why this, you know, Chelsea, Nottingham Forest, Bournemouth, Aston Villa, Fulham, Burnley from here to game week eight before the IB is so appealing to many. Yeah. Cool. Do we want to have a look at the other one? Or... Yes, I do. I, I would like to show the other one as well. That's um, it's because, up. yeah, the reason I'm showing this one is there's more to it than just thinking, okay, there's a fixture swing for Aston Villa. So let's hop on Aston Villa, right? Let's look at Newcastle as a good case study. Newcastle from game week five is a team I'm very interested in as a Gabriel owner. Getting to Trippier is very appealing. I might skip on the Man City defensive asset. 
um, and just play Udogi this week, for example. So this is a very specific case in, in, in my situation. But the Newcastle one's interesting, right? Because they have great fixtures from game week five. They have solid fixtures all the way to game week 19. But then you look at this chart after game week four, there's international break. So who knows what happens during international break injuries. Yeah. And then European uh, fixtures start to swing through by the time, you know, game week five is over and between game week five and game week six. So yeah. Uh, again, that's going to be a big factor for teams like Newcastle. I mean, Botman also is injured, so who knows what happens? It, you know, Trippier might go, go play that inside wing back role, may changes like offensive output, for example. But essentially, we also have to consider the fact that some teams are going to have a lot of rotation, including mm -hmm. the likes of Foden, which I'm a little bit hesitant on going, even yeah, though definitely. this is the only window to get to Foden. Because as we saw from game weeks nine onwards, their fixtures aren't that great, right? Yeah. So two two charts I would use to compare and sort of analyze on your own and see where you want to go. Yeah, yeah, I agree. There's City is still an issue. And I feel like Champions League, for anyone unsure, Champions League starts after game week five for the first yep. round and then after game week six for the second round, depending on where their fixtures fall. So it is coming thick and fast. That's only two game weeks left. And away at West Ham, actually, looking at the way they've started the season, isn't the easiest of easiest of fixtures. So you kind of, if you are going, you know, Alvarez, you are going Foden, you are really needing returns against Fulham this weekend. But when we look at some of the defensive data, it could quite possibly be that they get some returns against Fulham this weekend who look uh, pretty poor defensively. Yeah. Cool. So we will start with goalkeepers. We're going to start a little bit on goalkeepers. A lot of people have Pickford. A lot of people are considering what's with the likes of Ariola. Um, now you've got me running the streams. You're going to get asked to like the stream much more often than maybe when Andy does it. So if you haven't <laughs> already liked it, please make sure you go and do so. But also, if you could just make sure that, like, let us know that the audio is fine and like yeah. it, it's not buffering or anything. Because the first time doing a stream hosting with someone else, um, I like to know that it is running smoothly. But let's have a look at expected goals conceded by defenses uh, and you can infer the goalkeepers on top of these so we've highlighted a few of them probably the ones that people are looking at in terms of goalkeepers in and defenses as well um, in the white and we've sorted it by expected goals conceded from worst at the top um, to best at the bottom so you of course we've got Manchester City with the best expected goals conceded so far this season with just 1.29 half Brentford, who sit as second best with 2.53. And as we mentioned, those of you um, those of you with Manchester City attackers in the likes of Phil Foden and Julian Alvarez, 9.85 expected goals conceded for Fulham so far this season. The second worst to Ferris Sheffield United with 6.88. So, yeah, to, to say the least, Fulham are, are not defending well so far this season. But that's not, we're not focusing on teams to target here. Um, we're focusing on what defences we should own. I have Everton in here. He has they have five point five eight xgc. It's it's not great. I am considering him probably the mistake that I've made so far this season. Probably the one mistake I look at in my game week one team that I feel like I shouldn't have done that. And I think there was probably enough to go off to advise me not to do it. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on goalkeepers? You've got Pickford as well. I've are got you? Pickford, yeah. Would, would you sell him before game week nine if that's when we decide no. to wildcard? I think if you have a 
super super luxury it's very interesting because last game week i thought i might be using two transfers and i ended up rolling yeah uh, using one and rolling and it looks like i could do the same this week but i'm tempted to use two transfers we'll get to it at the end yeah essentially if you have a luxury transfer is on the only situation that i would use a goalkeeper switch yeah. but even then you know you mentioned everton's xgc is very high at five point what five eight right, five five but eight, it's yeah. quite it's really bunched up Perry like yeah. if you look down to Newcastle they're like three point six five and then NFO gets to four point one seven it's just not enough sample size I mean it's like even though we show this chart it's probably not a good idea to like read too much into it so I you know first of all clean sheets are hard to come by and it's hard to predict when clean sheets yeah. are coming all we can do is play the fixtures and if you look into like the rotation we have with Turner and uh, Pickford, it is still the best rotation in terms of these two keepers. Yeah. I personally don't think it's a good idea to make the switch because we know in FPL, if you make a switch, your Pickford's just going to get a 10-pointer. So uh, that's my that's my yeah. thinking in terms of keepers. I, I don't think there's a standout keeper to switch to at this point in time. Yeah, I'm not sure I agree. Um, I, I, think I, Flecken, I think Flecken looked great actually okay i th we saw it last year right david ryan then i think the highest scoring goalkeeper in fpl last year and i feel like flecken was poor in pre-season so no one went there and i feel like he's already started just to like get similar points to what david raya did last year they're a team that allows shots from distance so he's good for saves he's good from bonus because they don't score like loads of goals so you know often it's two goals which means there is room for a goalkeeper to get to get bonus points their numbers are very good. He's 4.5 and the fixtures are still pretty good, right? Their fixtures over the next four are really nice. And the one hard fixture particularly works if you have Turner still, right? Because next mm. week in game week five, there is a difficult fixture for Brentford, Newcastle away. Great. Just play Turner at, at home to Burnley next week. So I, I really like Flecken. Um, I think he will be... It's just whether I have the luxury transfer to do it. If I was on like wildcard now, I'd probably go Flecken and Turner still. Ariola's the other one. West Ham do look great. He doesn't rotate that well is the only thing with him. Yep. He rotates well with Turner, but he doesn't rotate well with the 4.5 goalkeepers. So he sort of, I feel like Turner needs to be in everyone's team because he rotates really well with everyone. But mm. they are being linked to signing another goalkeeper still, Nottingham Forest. So be careful with that because the deadline of course for the transfer does shut on Friday they are being linked still with more goalkeepers but it feels like Turner plus another 4.5 or, or 4 million goalkeeper or 4.1 now in Ariola is probably the way that I'd go I am really tempted I do have a spare transfer this week that I don't think I'm going to use that I might use on selling Pitford I think I don't mind it I, I think it's a risk so let's talk FPL like game strategy yeah. I think it's a risk worth taking right in the sense that Everton, Pickford have good fixtures from game week four to eight. And as you mentioned, Brentford have good fixtures from four to eight. Yeah. I think Brentford is a better team defensively. They play the five, three, two. So maybe a higher chance of you having a better defensive team to get clean sheets. But let's say it goes wrong. And let's say Pickford actually does outscore Flecken over the next five game weeks. It's not going to be a drastic difference because we know the ceiling with keepers. We know the floor with keepers. Yeah. It's not, it's not that much. It's either a two pointer or usually a six or seven pointer. If you do really, really well, you can get a nine or 10 yeah. once in a while, once in a blue moon, right? So I think it's a risk worth taking. And if it works out, you you gain a little bit on the field, which I do believe Pickford is probably the highest owned keeper at this point in time. So I don't mind it. Yeah. 
Yeah, a lot of people. I think actually, I think Onana's first um, with Ariola second, but that's because a lot of people picked him as, as their second choice. If okay, so so Pickford's difficult because the fixtures are still there. The one final question we don't want to talk about goalkeepers all day. We will be here all all afternoon, all evening, if not. Is is if you have Onana, I think he's maybe a more difficult one because Manchester United do look suspect defensively so far this season. Casemiro particularly leading to that. I feel like he has not been performing to the level we'd expect from him so far this season. Luke Shaw is now injured. Varane is also now injured, probably for game weeks four and five for him. They have Arsenal, Brighton, Crystal Palace and Brentford as four of their next five fixtures. He's also more expensive than all the 4.5s. Again, it's a luxury transfer, so I wouldn't be taking a hit to sell Onana. But if you have that spare transfer again, are you more likely to say yes to an Onana sale than a Pickford sale? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, I'm asking the hard so. questions. I, I think so. I I would I actually don't rate United's defense too well right now. No. Um, and and we'll talk about it when we when we get to the the United section because. I think there's an issue with Casemiro playing super, super high, like alongside Martial. And basically, uh, his role is to be a defensive midfield player and just focus on cutting passes and stuff. But this whole, like, I don't know what's going on with Ten Hag, but their United's defense is very leaky right now. And they play such a high line that it doesn't fill me with confidence we've seen in the first three games. So I don't mind that switch, possibly. Cool. So... That is goalkeepers and defenders. We're, but, uh, hey. uh, Harry, sorry to cut you off. Um, but I do want to mention two other shouts, if you don't yeah, mind. Go for it. Ederson. Ederson, I think, I know you're laughing, but you should consider Ederson. If you have enough funds, Harry, I do. I think he's a, I think he's a decent shout because you get, let's say you're going to wildcard in game week nine as we spoke. You get Fulham, West Ham, maybe not the best fixture, NFO, Wolves, Arsenal. Okay, maybe not the best fixture, but... You know, best defense in the league, right? So maybe, maybe a way to get into the the city defense. Game week three, we saw exactly why no one picks a <laughs> Manchester City defender because they're two 0 up, and then eighty seven minutes in, they concede a counter attack, um, and then he ends up with a two pointer. The thing is with him, yeah, is he he just has to keep almost double the amount of clean sheets to a to a Flecken to get the same amount of points because it's a six point clean sheet straight away whereas Flecken is a you know eight nine clean sheet whenever he gets one so so he has to keep 50% more clean sheets which he probably will but is it worth then spending the extra the million on it I still find it very difficult I was burnt very badly by Edison at the end of last season so I find it difficult to buy him but the data suggests that he's a good buy yeah, I think my my angle of approach with Ederson is I don't really compare Ederson to like a Flecken or a Pickford. I compare him more to like a City defense, like a center back. So let's call it Diaz yep. or Gavardiol. Why do people want Diaz or Gavardiol? They're not going to give you attacking returns. You just want a piece of that City defense. And if you're getting a piece of the City defense as a center back, you're wasting that spot on someone like a Stupinon, Trippier, 
you know, Saliba and uh, who's the other popular guy, um, you know, so it's just an opportunity to yeah. get a five game week span of a seated defense in the keeper spot while yeah. also holding the attacking wing backs in your in your three mm -hmm. defensive unit. Yeah. George R in the chat has said Forrest is looking to sign Benfica's goalkeeper, which could see Turner bench, which would be actually boost the appeal of Edison because a lot of these 4.5s are really good because they rotate nicely with with Turner. But if we suddenly run out of that 4.0 backup and we just need a goalkeeper to start every week, that's when I think, you know, Edison Edison does well. But I feel like he loses his appeal Fair. a bit with those rotating goalkeepers. But anyway, that is goalkeepers. So we do we jump where would we like to go next? Up to midfield? Sure, let's do that. The big cool. The big, uh, the big question, question, yeah. We understand, like we could spend time doing other questions during this pod, like what forwards to buy, um, you know, what defenders are we liking, etc. But to be honest, it does really feel like every single person is making midfield transfers this week. So what we're gonna start with is just um expected uh goal involvement, I think per ninety so far this season, which is what we've got up on screen um, so far for all the major sort of players that we are considering at the moment. You can see straight away that Bruno Fernandes uh, is top of the list with 1.3 expected goal involvement, which is which we saw come to fruition in game week three, right? I think everyone could sort of see the returns coming for him and it finally came. And I do think Mason Mount not being in the team and Ericsson being there is better for Bruno Fernandes, and we saw it straight away in game week three. Brian and Buemo second with 1.27, Bakayo Saka third. Three penalty takers at the top of the list, not too surprising there. But interestingly, fourth on the list is where you have James Madison, and a lot lower down, you have both Marcus Rashford just above Raheem Sterling. I think straight away on this it's it's interesting to see first of all where Brian and Buemo ranks because we can do the whole Madison Sterling comparison as much as you want but there are plenty of people who don't actually own Mbuemo either in their team still and he's probably better value than actually both of them at the moment and he still has the fixtures to go with it as well so if you're you know worrying about Madison Sterling and you don't own Mbuemo part of me thinks that he's actually the probably the one that I would buy first yeah, I think the appeal with Mbuemo is that regardless of when you wildcard, he's a keep. You can keep him until the second half of the season, basically until game week 19, yeah. because his fixtures tick along. And as you mentioned, a penalty taker for a very solid Brentford team looks like he's taking the talisman role as Tony is sitting out. Um, and, you know, he's 6.5, right? Maybe he's risen a little bit. So. It's just a, a very good yeah. enabler to have in your team. And you need one or two of those in order to, you know, have the luxury to get to anyone elsewhere in terms of funds as well. Yeah. So it's a very good question. And for those that might not have Mbuemo, those that might have Mitoma, for example, do you make the switch from Mitoma to Mbuemo or do you go from Mitoma to Sterling and attack the next few fixtures? I think wildcard timing comes into play as well in, in terms of your decision making. But Mbuemo, I mean, never too late to jump on the uh, on the boat. I mean, I hate the argument of like, oh, he's such a lucky penalty taker. I mean, that's FPL, right? We take him for for penalty reasons. And yeah. I don't know. You and I are sitting here very happy that he's getting penalties. Um, yeah. So I think Mbuemo is a fantastic pick to even pick now this game week. 
Cool. Before we get in, I have a graphic particularly on Madison versus Sterling. Just one other thing to, to call out here, and a few people asking about it in the chat as well, is if also, for example, there's a lot of chat about Madison Sterling this week, right? But if you don't own, for example, the three above Madison in this list, right? If you don't own Saka, if you don't own particularly Bruno Fernandes, which his ownership is has dropped a little bit off the start of the season, is Bruno Fernandes, despite the fixture against Arsenal this week, still actually the best asset in midfield? He's a little bit more expensive, so you might not be able to get to him. But if you have Martinelli half a million in the bank, is actually Martinelli up to Bruno Fernandes a better transfer than getting the shiny new toys that are that are Madison Sterling? Because his sort of expected goal involvement, he's top of the list. He's got 1.3. Now, he does have penalties in there, but he's so involved in everything they do. And that's part of the reason I like Madison as well. He's so involved in everything Spurs do as well. But the issue is, is the fixture this week, right? And that's why people won't mm-hmm. want to buy Bruno Fernandes and they'll want to buy Madison or Sterling. But long-term, if I asked you who do you expect to score the most points this season, I'd expect you say Fernandes over both Madison and Sterling. I mean, not not with like complete full confidence. Like I still think yeah. Madison and, and Sterling will do very well this season. And you just never know with the with these types of things but i think you make a very interesting point of like would you rather get to bruno again if we're gonna wildcard in game can i keep mentioning this maybe you take the bet against and bruno and go for a more explosive potentially very very high explosive pick in in sterling for the next five game week mm-hmm. so that's that's my view on it uh, but i'm very happy with bruno the statistics we have up here is for uh 90 minutes and over 60 minutes so you have to play at over 60 minutes and uh it's, no. it's 90 minute averages again it's three game weeks so i wouldn't read too much into these xgi stats harry but uh, yeah. bruno fernandez just looks good on the eye test as well and what what the united game told us over the weekend is that there's some issues going on with casemiro and and this like you know yeah. structure of a team however the aces are rashford and bruno and they're going to take along just as fine just fine mm-hmm. cool one final thing is a lot of people have the four-man midfield of Bruno Fernandes, Marcus Rashford, Bakai Saka, and Gabriel Martinelli. I personally sit that Bruno Fernandes and Bakai Saka are both keeps. They're likely to be on penalties. While Fernandes is, Saka is still likely to take penalties going forward. Maybe not all of them, but still you know, a little boost to him there. For me, they're keeps because I also feel like selling, you know, all of your Manchester United or all of your Arsenal feels a little bit like over-management. I feel like those teams are still expected to finish in the top four. If you're suddenly taking out all of their assets to go and buy a shiny new toy, I feel like that is destined for disaster. So keeping one of them in each is is a good idea. Rashford and Martinelli, I feel like, are the more expendable than the other ones that we've just spoken about. Martinelli's the one that I'm going to sell this week, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to do that. Um... The other one is is Marcus Rashford, which causes a little bit more of a debate, particularly with him now being on the left-hand side. Rashford's numbers are interesting that they're actually better than Raheem Sterling's on here. So 0.55 versus 0.5. Mm-hmm. Martinelli's are right at the bottom. So actually the only person below him is Richarlison, who has also not looked very good so far this season. Are you agreeing that Martinelli is the one to get rid of? And then where do you sit on if you have a second free transfer on on Marcus Rashford? Yeah, so t- two tough questions. Um, I for, I'll start with Rashford, um, Harry. So I'm more in the camp of like unwilling to sell Rashford. Mm-hmm. So 
this this weekend game was a good example of why Rashford can be so explosive and dangerous. He just needs a little bit of space on the left in a one-on-one situation, and he can pretty much take on anybody, get to his left foot, deliver a cross, or cut back and, you know, score. So you look at the fixtures too. It's like, yes, Arsenal's a tough fixture, but Arsenal also are sort of like not finding their feet so far. It's the Havertz issue, which I'll talk about. And and then you get to game week five, and it's like there's going to be space against Arsenal is what I believe for Rashford, but uh, it's a difficult fixture in the end. But you get to game week five, Brighton are the third worst XGC this season while they're, you know, top two or three XG uh, in terms of attack. Yeah. So they're an amazing attacking unit, but they're a really, really bad defensive unit according to the stats in the first three game weeks. So I do think the Brighton game is also an opportunity for Rashford to possibly get opportunity yeah. uh, opportunities to get points. And then you go to that Lego Mane fixture, game week six to all the way to game week, you know, 13, United have a good fixtures. Yeah. So what is the rush to sell Rashford? Imagine like we didn't have Rashford till now, and then United's fixtures all, all of a sudden turned this week. Even if they played bad in the first three game weeks, he would be talked about more more than even potentially Sterling and Madison to bring in because of this fixture turn. So yeah. it's I'm in no rush to sell Rashford is, is the point I want to make. Yeah. In terms of Martinelli, I am with you. I think there is a better opportunity in either Sterling or Madison to get to. Um, I don't understand. I know I'm dragging on here, but... I don't understand this Havertz situation at Arsenal. I think it's messing up the team. Um, personally speaking, I would like to see Gabriel back into the fold. I would like to see a midfield of Partey, uh, Partey, Partey Rice, and Odegaard oh, in the midfield. Yeah. You know, Martinelli left, Saka right, and just have a normal striker in Enketia or Jesus. Or if you insist on playing Havertz, play him as a false nine, you know? Even Trossard's role is so iffy because Arteta is playing him as like a central striker back against the wall and it's he's, he's a winger you know he should be starting games for martinelli or should be coming on for martinelli so yeah. there are issues with this arsenal lineup it, it you know when you sign a guy like havertz who's a very expensive player you have to figure out how to play him arteta yeah. wants to give him confidence you know make him feel like he's important to the process and, and yeah. this team which is why he's probably not dropping him and you're seeing gabriel being dropped so i think that arsenal are a little bit more shaky than uh, what we expect them to be. I think they're going to find their feet eventually, but Martinelli is an opportunity to hop off in order to fund a better, potentially better player in Sterling or Madison is my view with the two players. Perfect. There are a few questions which we can probably do at the end on on Mo Salah, who does actually sit sixth in this list. So we can talk about Liverpool at the end because I feel like we need to get to the the big question on, on James Madison or... Uh, Raheem Sterling um, I know we have you have to do a little plug while um, Andy's doing a plug before we show the stats on Madison versus Sterling put in the chat which of the two you prefer if you don't want either of them just put no but you can't put both just put either Sterling Madison or neither in the chat where you're at the moment and then we'll bring up the stats a little bit of a deep dive into both of them in just a moment yeah so quick plug guys again um, you know the point of fantasy football scout is to you know get the signups up uh we have a great membership area and um, a lot of stats that you see today are from the membership area there's some amazing writers in the team as well forms uh there's still a 30 percent discount so please do sign up if you haven't also subscribe to the youtube channel i mean um 
Deadline Dilemmas with Pross and uh, Flapjack, fantastic. Scoutcast on Mondays, fantastic. David works his, you know, butt off to get all these, uh, you know, videos out there. We really do work around the clock and uh, do hit the like button as well. Uh, we want to continue burning questions for as long as possible. And yeah. it is just my third or I think fourth episode with Harry. Uh, and the love has been great. And we'll continue to, you know, build chemistry and hopefully uh, get better and better down the line. But, uh, you know, your support means everything. So quick plug, guys. Perfect. I have to say the chat is currently favoring Madison at the moment. But anyway, let's have a look. So apologies. I'm using one of my graphics but all the data i use for this this sort of stuff does come from fancy football scout so what we've got on here is just a comparison between between madison and sterling for a lot of key expected data and um, their actual return so far so 23 points for sterling versus madison's 22 sterling therefore edges the points per 90 very slightly but there's not much in it basically the difference in actual returns is sterling has two goals one assist whereas madison has one goal to assist. However, when you do start to look at the underlying data, Madison's expected assist is much higher than Sterling's, which you would expect, 0.58 versus 0.19 for Raheem Sterling. But what I found really interesting when I was putting this sort of stuff together is actually Madison's expected goals, his XG per 90 is actually higher than Raheem Sterling's so far this season, which which was a real surprise, I have to admit. I thought, you know, Madison would be massively, massively ahead in terms of assist threat. And Sterling would just probably edge probably the other way around in this data for um, expected goals. But I was, my mind was made up when I saw this data, I think. Very interesting. So you are leaning towards Sterling again? No, or, Madison. Or Madison. Madison, Madison yeah. because of his XG. Interesting. Mm -hmm. But you know the, I wouldn't read too much into the XG stats, Harry. Um, if I'm if I'm being frank, because the very first game, Madison had very high XA. Obviously, his XGI was good. His XA was very high, but his XG was non yep. like not even relevant. You know, so again, the that sample size is very small. Yeah. Um, I think the general argument here that most people will make this week is that Madison is a tick along player for the next, you know, until game week 19. Whereas, you know, Sterling, you want to attack the next five fixtures. I don't read too much into that. Are you there? Okay. Yeah. Cool. I don't, I don't read too much into that because I do still think that Madison is perfectly fine to keep from now to game week eight, even though they have Arsenal Liverpool in between because he's the talisman, but yeah, I'm not I'm not so bullish on the stats being a big factor of my decision making between the two. If cool. I was to pick just one. Yeah. Cool. Well, we do have some other things which you want to talk through about why you are maybe bullish on more than one than the other. Which would you like first? We've got uh the pass map. Yeah, let's put the pass map up. Sure. Um Okay, so this is basically, so let's talk about Spurs at first, and then let's yeah. talk about Sterling and Chelsea's. And obviously, you're the Chelsea guy, so I'd like to hear your opinion on yeah. Sterling and why you're not going for him. But, you know, Spurs off to a really good start this season. Two goals in all three games, uh, which is a good start. 61% uh, possession on average in the three games, which is fifth in the PL. So very different way of playing from last year. Conte Ball was sit back, sit back, find the counter. This year, you know, they're trying to build up from the back, which is why you yeah. see Vicario being such a different type of keeper from uh, Loris. And 
61 position on average, fifth in the PL. Successful passes, 514 per game, fifth in the PL, which means, you know, they're passing a lot. 17 shots per game, which yeah. is decent. It's not a lot. It's not super high, but it's decent. And then, you know, 15 successful dribbles per game, which is second in the PL. So they're also dribbling quite a bit. Um, so the, I, so the, you have the pass map up here and this is why, this is something I wanted to show because you can see how much buildup they do from the back. And yesterday's game in the EFL Carabao Cup, they had a full rotation and they just could not do it from the back. They could not build up from the back. So uh, Sanchez obviously was a disaster yesterday. And this is the way Ange Ball is going to play and how they're going to play. How does this affect FPL is that Madison, if you go to the next chart, I don't know if you have it, Harry, 45% of his touches in the last game came from the Spurs half, came from their own half. It just shows that he's coming back really, really deep to receive the ball. And guys like Sun are playing super high. Whereas last year, we saw guys like Sun and Kane come drop deep to receive the ball. That is my one sort of minor concern I have with Madison is that he's the ace of the team now. He's going to sort of, you know, drive everything. And we know he's on set pieces. We know he's the creator. But he's also having to come deep to receive the ball quite a bit. So uh, his positioning doesn't thrill me as a as an FPL asset is, is the point I'm trying to make. Okay. Interesting. This is, I like this. I mean, he's still having five of those are pretty decent touches. In, well, four of them are pretty decent positions in the box, but there are definitely some of those being deeper than you'd expect. But in and around that sort of final third, just outside the box, that's why his assist threat is so, so high. He is really involved centrally for for Spurs. But interesting that it is weighted slightly more to the, uh, to the left-hand side. But I still think he's a he's a very, very nice asset. He's the one that I think I'm going to go with. So where do you stand then? The big question yeah. of the week. Yeah. Madison versus Sterling. I can put your team up on screen. Um, okay. It's virtually the same as, it is the same as my team. Um, this is how we are both setting up and it will depend a little bit on your on your structure. There is a little bit of price difference between them. Madison up to 7.7, Sterling at 7.1 um, at the time recording. At, we're on mm -hmm. Wednesday evening. Sterling is predicted to go up in price though tonight, I believe, after Chelsea yeah. do play this evening as well against Wimbledon. So Martinelli, the one that we've mentioned that we're probably both going to be transferring out. I am pretty confident well I've, I've made the transfer I've gone to James Madison out of the two um, I can talk a little bit about Raheem Sterling and how I think he fits into the Chelsea team and actually why I think that affected my decision a little bit Interesting. We've, we've seen like we've seen Sterling at Manchester City, Manchester City be a great asset and he's very good when he gets a lot of chances recently historically Chelsea have not necessarily been a team that have created a lot of chances which is partly why Sterling's struggled because he's got one or two chances in a game and he, he needs more than those to get returns now if he gets four or five chances you'll get games like against Luton where he gets two or three returns and he's definitely capable of that I also have Nicholas Jackson in my team which partly does impact my decision a little bit going full in on a team in okay. with fixtures which are not actually on paper, maybe as good as they look when you look at the FDR. But okay, I just haven't seen enough consistency from Sterling in quite a long time to think 
that he is going to be a reliable asset. And I think buying him just after he scored all of those points against Luton feels a little bit reactionary. When we know that Luton are going to be the team that lets up more chances in a season or in a game than pretty much any other team in the league. So I'm pretty happy with Madison. I also am not locked into that game week eight or nine wildcard. So I think Madison is a better long-term hold in my team. Don't think Sterling's a bad pick at all. But I just think that there's enough going there that I think Madison is so, so focal to what Spurs are doing. Yeah, yeah. that I'm, he's, I'm, he's yeah. yeah, everything goes through him. Just like with him, like United, everything goes through Bruno. With Brentford, most of it goes through Mbwemo. I like having those sorts of players in my team. And I think Madison is another one of those. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think you make fantastic argument. And um, I, again, I'm maybe like 55-45. 60 40 type of situation mm-hmm. between the two honestly i would like to bring both in i would like that's yeah instinctively after the game week ended last week my initial thought was oh wow i have two free transfers i'm going to bring both guys in and then you look into the fixtures and the wildcard timings and all this and you realize that man like it doesn't make sense to sell rashford right now mm-hmm. so so it a lot of us will come down to picking one of the two or you go to Mbuemo first for those that might not have it. Again, maybe we can do a rank at the end. Um, I think Junwai in the chat, shout out Junwai, says NFO is not even bad. I totally agree. You know, Nottingham Forest is solid, right? Def- pretty de- decent defensive team, even though the stats don't might not you know scream at this so far. On the eye test, they don't they, look too bad, right? They're mm-hmm. actually the seventh best defense so far this season. There you go. Yeah, and exactly. they've played Arsenal and Manchester United as two exactly. of their first three games. So... If anything, that says they're a pretty good defensive. Yeah, and side. even uh, although Turner's they do like, have a little bit of injury worry at the moment, but and a suspension yeah. as well, which could weaken them. But generally, their defense is pretty good compared to a lot of the other teams that there are there. Yeah, I mean, a lot of us watched them play in game week two when we started Turner, and we got pretty unlucky with the yeah. clean sheet wipeout. You know, it was like a like a wonder goal. So. I, I get it. The you know, like the fixtures you really have to take one piece at a time. But it's if you start deep diving into every single fixture in this manner, it's yeah. like there's no end to this game, right? So you kind of want to visualize a stretch of five game weeks being very positive for Chelsea from here to game week eight. Um yeah. the thing about Sterling, I, I agree with you. It's Luton, bunch of championship players, maybe a couple of Premier League ventures yeah. that came into the team. They're really going to struggle to survive this season, and they have to change their tactics. They're they're just not sitting too deep. They're not you know low blocking enough. I think they need to like fix that situation over there. But yeah. Luton is a team to target, and we don't want to read too much into this one game because Sterling had spurts of or moments in game week one and two, but it was game week three versus Luton where he really exploded. Yeah. The flip side to that, Harry, is that you know did you watch the Sky Sports interview after with Gary Neville and Sterling? Yes. Um, it was very convincing, you know, like he, he was saying like excuses are all finished. I looked at myself, analyzed what I needed to do. I'm thinking about football 24 seven, focusing on goals and assists. I have got the desire and hunger. This, these are all his words. You know, last season he was in the pocket too much. So he talked to Pochettino and said, you know, I want to be more in the box. Basically, uh, he says like when he can't figure it out in the pocket, he'll drift out wide with all with. Sané and Sterling at Man City's prime where, you know, Sterling was playing on the right, drifted super wide to create space, eventually got 
enough space to uh, attack the box as well. So he's a very intelligent player that people uh, might not realize. And just on on Sterling as well, he in the media day, he said he wants to be Chelsea's top scorer. And let's remember the five seasons at Man City, Harry. He had 18, 17, 20, 10, and 26 goals. Like, that's five seasons in a row with, you know, one season being 10, but 15 plus the rest, you know? It, it's, the history is there, right? And he's coming off a difficult season. Chelsea have tough fixtures from game weeks 12 to 16. This is the one opportunity that maybe it's worth the risk, right? Maybe it's worth the punt to go, uh, to go for it and hopefully inform Sterling. But again, it's Luton, so we don't want to be too hyped. You're worrying me yes. now. You're making me I'm worried not. about go, whether I've made the wrong decision or not. It's an inspirational speech that he's going to have that <laughs> he's going to have that playing on as he goes to sleep or as he walks out for every match and it's going to be spurring him on. But yeah. I think in terms of like key questions, so we're both probably team like Madison, but it does feel like Sterling is probably the higher upside shorter term pick and if you are convinced that you're going to wild card early it definitely boosts the appeal of sterling it's probably where we sit on it yeah i also don't think you need to make a firm decision of whether you're going to wild card in game week nine or not i think even if you say to yourself you're going to wild card in game week nine and you bring in the likes of sterling I think yeah. you can default back to not wildcarding game McKnight because of the mentioned the reasons we mentioned early on on the pod. Cool. As in all teams have good fixtures moving forward. Yes. Cool. So we have we've been live for just over fifty minutes. We think we've covered everything that we planned on covering. So we do have a little bit of time for questions. Our team my team's no, sorry, your team is our, our team's basically the same thing. Your team is up on screen. I've done Martinelli to Madison, and I do plan on using the second transfer. It's just whether it's Rashford to um, Sterling or I decide to go and sell Pickford, who I've been really unimpressed with. Before we do a few questions, so we're going to do some questions from the chat. We've got a little bit of time. Are you, You're presumably planning on Martinelli to Madison as well. Are you planning on using the other transfer? You've still got Gabriel in your squad, not in your eleven. Yeah, good question. Um, Guys, first of all, please, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Again, 800, which is insane. Um, please do like the the stream. Um, it really helps like get the the video out there initially yeah. after after we're done uh, going live. Like YouTube doesn't like these long format pods. So it's important to sort of uh, kickstart the yeah. uh, the likes if you if you know what I mean. It really appreciated. Um, in terms of my transfers i have gabriel to deal with i have a question for you harry do you think i'm not very familiar with this but do you think gabriel's price is going to continue to go down or you think it's safe at 4.8 and i can wait till after their national break I, I, to be honest i think if you if you if he doesn't drop again this week he will drop early into the international break so, you think so? yeah really so he's 4.8 he's already at 17 percent as a potential drop on FPL statistics. So like 70% down. So it needs to go a lot more. So the chance of it happening this week probably is slim before the deadline. But as soon as that deadline hits, there'll be a whole nother influx of transfers and he feels like he'll be, he'll be top of it. But yeah, you could, you could get to game. You'll probably get to Friday and he probably won't have dropped again. I would say. Yeah. I would like to have, just the one, tra like, the part of me wants to do one transfer 
and then roll the next one so that after international break, I have two moving into game week yep. five. But I have the Gabriel issue. I've already, you know, lost so much farming on him, like point two, and it's really annoying. Yeah. Um, and the question that, that that's the reason I asked you because I have a I had thought that he's unable to drop anymore, but I guess he can. Yeah. Which means I would probably have to move to which means most likely my chancers will be Gabriel to Trippier and Martinelli to Sterling, uh, which is most likely where where I'm gonna go if I do think that Gabriel is gonna drop. If I think there's a chance that he doesn't drop for the next, you know, two, three weeks until game week five, then maybe I'll hold on to Gabriel and just start Udoki again. Uh, even if I bring Trippier this week, I'll probably start Benchim. Udoki. Over. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Trippier is an interesting one. I, we can talk about this in another pod. I'm interested to see what his minutes are like when Champions League starts with Livermento yeah, back. I, I was, agree. I was interested in uh, Botman, but with his with his injury, we'll have to see how long he's going to be out. He's going to be out for. Cool. So, any updates on Botman injury in the chat? Hot topic that we spoke about. No, we don't have anything yet. We'll have to wait for press conferences later on in the week. Um, thoughts? We haven't spoken about Aston Villa very much. Um, Diaby is a one that's coming up uh, in the chat quite a lot. They do go away to Liverpool this week. Liverpool, of course, without Van Dijk. Are Aston Villa and Diaby in particular, for me, they're still a wait and see until their fixtures, let me get the fixtures back up, until their fixtures change in about game week eight or so. Um, there's still a wait there. I still, I think there's going to be more attacking returns and potential for some of the others like Chelsea, like Sterling, for example, before then. But I do think Diaby's look really good. And actually, when, now, when I sold Watkins, I thought I would go back there, but I'm not sure mm -hmm. I will go back to Watkins now. I think Diaby looks a better and more affordable asset. The only thing is he takes up a midfield spot and maybe Watkins just fits the structure a little bit better. Yeah, it's a problem you shouldn't worry about till we get to around game week eight, most likely game week nine when a lot of us decide to wildcard. Um, and so, you know, from here till then, if you have Watkins, I think he's okay okay to keep. He's like ticking along. He still hasn't, you know, really scored in the Premier League yet, but mm -hmm. he's assisting and ticking along. So it's not bad, but... Diaby certainly will be a very hyped up or very popular pick by the time game week eight or nine rolls around. Issue with Diaby, um, Harry, is that, again, he takes up that midfield spot. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of midfielders we want. Uh, we mentioned Liverpool have Salah might come into the full game week nine. You know, maybe Diaz, Jota, who knows, right? And uh, and then United also have good fixtures. Arsenal, solid fixtures. We've got Madison, Sterling, we can hop off by the time game week nine comes around. So... Uh, that's going to be, I haven't thought that far ahead in terms of like, you know, what if, if you bring in Diaby, what, yeah. who do we take out? But uh, certainly one of Diaby and Watkins or double up on them uh, when their fixtures turn will be, will be a very viable strategy. Yeah. Just on Aston Villa, Matty Cash obviously scored twice this weekend. It is a little bit of a concern about his actual minutes going forward. He was really good at the weekend, but when Europe starts... Leon Bailey was also out injured, so he could... And I think Matty Cash sort of played the role that Bailey had been playing. So Bailey could easily come back in in place of Cash. I feel like Cash is still a, a risk. I don't think people are buying him before the fixture this week anyway, but I do would just be a little bit cautious. Now, if you've got Cash, great. You've cashed in literally and metaphorically, um, but I would probably wait and see on, on buying him. One... 
final question before we wrap it up. Going to manage to keep this pod um, below an hour, it looks like, is West Ham. They've been great so far this season. They, of course, have Luton in game week four, followed by a pretty difficult fixture run of Manchester City, Liverpool and Newcastle of four of the three of the four after that. A lot of questions about Bowen. A lot of questions about Ariola as well. What do you think about bringing in in Bowen now as an asset? If he's sort of playing up front, it has a great fixture this week. Is it just too much with the fixtures that they've got after? But if he scores 10 points, for example, this week, you could bring him in and, and sell him again straight away and you'd still probably be up in terms of points. I think it's a tough one. I think generally speaking, the obvious answer is why would you go for him when he has game week five, Man City, Liverpool, I guess Sheffield, then Newcastle, Aston Villa before you know, uh, West Ham's fixtures get really good from game week 10. We just, we did speak about their defense being very good. I'm very interested in a possible, very cheap defensive uh, option, as well as Areola as my second keeper when the wild card comes around. Yeah. But for me, Bowen for now is not, not the right strategy because it takes a, off the spot of the other players yeah. with great fixtures. I get the Luton fixture, but you're banking on one fixture doing really, really well before they, again, they play Man City and Liverpool. Mm-hmm. With that being said, Bowen is, is semi-fixture-proof, Harry, because I remember two seasons ago when West Ham was doing really well and I had Bowen. He was ticking along against Chelsea, City, and and doing fine against the big sides as well because he's the talisman of the team. Yeah. I would assume he's on penalties over uh, JWP, but we don't know until we see. Um, so I think he's an okay pick, but does he scream better pick than Mbuemo, Sterling, Madison, Rashford, Bruno, Saka? I don't think yeah. so. Yeah, uh, to be honest, I can't see Bowen taking penalties for West Ham. He missed his last one and then Paqueta started taking them and I can't see it not being James or Prowse if he's, if he's on the pitch. Surely it's going to be him. Cool, I suppose the only thing to caveat there is if you're wildcarding over the international break, then West Ham look like the best one-week punts that, that you can take, right? If you're in the situation where you're going to wildcard after game week four, then please, by all means, go in on yeah. West Ham. So, third episode of Burning Questions from next week and onwards. We will be back on Monday lunchtime. It was just a couple of weeks where both of I, both of us were abroad and travelling that messed up our schedule a little bit. So we'll be live Monday lunchtime answering all of your burning questions from next week and throughout the season as well. So if you've enjoyed and are looking forward to future ones, make sure you've liked and make sure you've subscribed to Fancy Football Scout as well. Thank you, Andy. I am now even more worried about not earning Raheem Sterling as I was before we came on this pod. But James Madison is in my team and hopefully he can get some returns. Thank you all for tuning in. And Andy, I will see you all. I will see you next week. Yeah, it was a pleasure, Harry, as always. Thank you guys for tuning in and we will see you next week.